you doing, Sarah? I'm doing good. How are you, Rob? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm fine. Um, good. It's cold, isn't it, outside? It's brass monkeys. Yeah, when's this going to lift? I wonder. It seems like forever at the moment. See. And you have a glass of wine. I do have a glass of wine. And guess what? What? Guess what? You've got... I've just had a McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got McDonald's Coke. Perfect. Today. So does that mean you're going to be on a huge, like, high and then crash? Maybe. I'm, I'm, crash I'm, just towards I might the do. I've had my uh, my fillet of fish. Fillet of fish. fillet of fish. I've never had a fillet of fish. Really? No. Oh, it's I, I'm a I'm a pescatarian, so that's my my dish of the dish of the day. Oh, very nice. So, yeah. So, watched anything? I have watched two films since mm-hmm. we last spoke. Yeah, one was The Bank of Dave on right. Netflix, which was made by the same team who did Fisherman's Friends. So, okay. it's a truish story about uh, a guy called Dave, funnily mm-hmm. enough, who lives <laughs> really? in Burnley. Yeah, lives in Burnley. And he decided to loan people money in the community who couldn't get loans from banks for whatever reason. And he slowly decided that so many people were taking out loans and not just paying him back, but actually paying more back for his generosity. He became a bit of a celebrity for doing this. The papers got hold of it. So it is it is based on a true story. And so the film is about him actually, with the help of a London lawyer, try to start a bank. It's no new bank had has ever been set up apparently in the last 70 years years or something and it's almost impossible to just say right i want to set up a bank so it's all about the kind of legal wranglings of him trying to do that but essentially it's a very very feel good paint by numbers kind of film which is really quite uplifting and entertaining so that was enjoyable good and the second film was babylon which i saw at a local everyman cinema. It was a fantastic evening because, first of all, I'd never been to an everyman cinema before. And these are these kind of boutique cinemas with the, you know, with the sofa seats where you get food ordered and brought straight to you. You have an usher introducing the film, you know. There's oh, really? A lovely, there's, a lovely, nice. there's a lovely bar and restaurant outside. You know, it, it's it's amazing so that was great in itself and then i was really really blown away by the film so this is the damien chazelle film with margot robbie and brad pitt are the two main stars and it's really follows four characters who get involved or who are part of the silent movie industry kind of in the 1920s mm-hmm. and focuses on these huge, glamorous, debauched, crazy, excessive parties that this film star played by Brad Pitt throws. And it's just a complete riot from one moment to the next. It's one of those films which rattles along. There are so many jaw-dropping moments in it that it's like nothing you've ever seen before. 
And it's also quite interesting because it's really ultimately beneath all these incredibly crazy set pieces. And as I say, this unbelievable hedonistic life that you see portrayed with all these parties, it's actually about how these four characters are desperately trying to make it in the movie business. But as the talkies come along, the industry changes and they don't really fit into it for one reason or another. So it's almost like as technology progresses with the movie industry, Mm. they struggle to develop their own career with that happening. And so in some ways it's quite sad because it's ultimately the rise and demise, if you like, a lot of these characters, but it has a real exotic, sweeping, epic type feel to it as well. Damon Chazelle brought us Whiplash, and he brought us La La Land. Now, I, mm, I La La Land was was a marmite bit of a marmite film, I know, mm. but I really liked it. And the soundtrack to this film is incredible. This very much has elements, if you like, of that kind of Baz Luhrmann bombastic soundtrack bounces along. There's, it's a very long film, so it's three hours long, Ooh. and that really put me off to a degree when I wanted to go and see it because I knew it was that long and I was dubious to know whether it would keep my attention. But I was super surprised, a bit like Avatar, actually, in some ways. I was super surprised. I personally never felt like it dragged, but that that might be a, be a unique thing. I just like this type of cinema because the reviews to it have been mixed. For example, there have been five-star reviews for this. There's been film critics who have hated it. There's been publications that have given it just kind of average threes out of fives. I think a lot of people see it as this kind of hedonistic, self-indulgent style over substance and potentially Margot Robbie, you know, playing a character similar uh, to maybe what we've seen before. But I absolutely loved it. It's my new favorite movie. And I, might, I might even go and buy the uh, the Blu-ray. So would this be a 10 out of 10 if you were to rate it? Wow. I think it's definitely a nine and a half. It could be a 10. I almost feel like I don't want to watch it again in case it ruins the first viewing. And I'm also curious to know whether the actual experience of watching in that particular cinema made a difference. I don't know, because that was an experience in itself. Definitely nine and a half. My, it, might, it might be a 10. I do accept the faults critics you know, have found with it. I do accept that. But for me, as a lot of them say, it's been just a series of set pieces that just go on and on and on and on and on. And suddenly it's just ridiculous. And as I say, some might say it's all a bit self-indulgent. And, you know, the, the debaucherous scenes in this certainly will not be to a lot of people's taste. Like the very first shot is an elephant being driven up this dusty road and pooing in the face <laughs> of someone behind. And that oh, is nice. that is tame compared to some of the other elements that are in the film. It, Wasn't it, that a bit like Violent Night <laughs> oh, at the start of that one? A little bit, but times that by 10. And that's right. just one nice. kind of example. Uh, anyway, I love that. Um, yeah, it sounds like you, you really like the film. And, and also it sounds like you're going to get free uh, every man tickets now going forward. So because you plugged it so many times. <laughs> What's your address again? Well, I might. <laughs> I am. I, I ha, it, has seriously, it has seriously made me wonder whether that's going to become my new choice. It's a little bit further than I normally would go. And you mm-hmm. do pay a little bit extra, obviously, but oh, it was fantastic. If you're a real movie fan, yep. and there is an everyman cinema, or like, you know, like a Curzon type cinema around, around your way, you should definitely give it a whirl. 
It's like the business or first class for cinemas. Yes. Cinemas. Yeah, sounds is. great. Take me there. Sounds good. And I, I, I've watched um, The Last of Us, which TV series uh, that you'll find now on Sky. It's a Sky uh, original. And um, it's got Pedro Pascal in it for The Mandalorian. You may know him better as, and he's the main star. It's about a global pandemic where people turn into to, uh, fungus-led, blood-sucking zombies. And uh, he's the survivor from years and years back. I think it's like started in 2004. And unfortunately, his daughter passes away. And then he's left in charge years later of this 14-year-old girl who happens to actually have the virus, but with no ill effects. So she could be uh, the civilization's last hope, really. So it's been rating 9.4 on IMDb. So pretty strong there. And think it's actually something that's good to replace The Walking Dead. Now it's now it's finished as well, so that's one to watch. And I'm I'm still continuing to watch Halo. I'm still watching Halo on um, Paramount as well. Good stuff. Well, the only other thing I suppose I have been watching, which I'm like plowing my way through, is Happy Valley. Of course, I think. Oh uh, yeah, you before. like Happy Valley. I've not watched Happy Valley before. Well, I'm up to date now. I've kind of binged, and so now I'm up to date, and I've got to wait a week now. Of course. And I must admit, I don't know if people find this, but there's such an excitement around finding something you like. Mm. And it's all just there to binge, like one after. I don't know what it is. It feels like Christmas has come at once. And there's no doubt about it that when you finish it and you potentially then have caught up to the latest series, which might be coming out once a week and it's being drip fed, my interest level definitely goes down it happened Mm -hmm. with game of thrones and it's happened on other occasions and it's definitely happening with this because i mean to the point where i even forget that it's on but i will i will this is the third series and i i am enjoying it so i'm working Mm -hmm. my way through that uh, as well yeah the last of us is drip fed as well it comes out once a week i I, i'm a binge watcher so i normally like them all on demand but um it's not the case however if you you know give it a couple of weeks you'll be able to binge watch it one after the other if a few weeks after it's actually launched so so that's all one way to do it anyway um have you got a quiz i have so the films we are going to be reviewing just to remind mm-hmm. people are misery stephen mm-hmm. king's film from the 90s and the newbie was the pale blue eye on that yep. starring christian bale now i don't know okay. why but I just decided <laughs> that why don't I do a Christian Bale quiz? Oh, okay. <laughs> so here Ooh, we go. Go so on I, then. I, got, I have confidence in you. I have confidence mm-hmm. in you here. Five question. Question number one. In which boxing drama did Christian Bale star with on-screen brother Mark Wahlberg? The Fighter? Boom. There you go. Second yeah. question. In which Christopher Nolan film did Bale play an Edwardian magician? Prestige. Easy. Question three. I know my Bale, don't I? I'm a Christian Bale stuff, don't I? I know my Bale. Right. I know my Bale. He talks like that, doesn't he? He can talk like that. (laughs) What is it? Is what is it? Yeah. Anyway, here we go. His London accent. Yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard plays Kate Connor, Bale's on-screen wife, in which 2009 sci-fi action adventure movie? Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, I respect he's seen. Okay, so the clue is the character that Bryce Dallas Howard plays, which is Kate Connor. Have we got her? Have we stumped her? See, I'd want to. St- I would want to say the Prestige again, but was she in that? 
No. Maybe she was. She was his was it his wife? We're not doing two prestige answers, so it's not the prestige. No, it okay. is Dark no, it's not Dark Knight, is it? So so the question again. Bryce Dallas Howard plays Kate Connor, Bale's on screen wife in which two thousand nine sci fi action adventure movie? It's a bit of a trick question, but I don't think it's too much of a trick question that you, you couldn't get it. Two thousand and nine. I don't, I, know don't if know. I don't know if you've seen the film. Okay, the answer is Terminator Salvation. Oh, gosh. Okay, yeah. I forgot he was in that, actually. I know. There's a few films I forgot he's been in. Right, question number four. Which movie does Bale play a con man called Irving Rosenfield with an ensemble cast including Bradley Cooper, Amy Adams and Jennifer Lawrence? Oh, um, is that the American Hustle? Yes, it is. Final question. In how many Christopher Nolan films has Bale starred? Is it three? Is it four? Is it five? Or is it six, Sarah? I'm going to get three. It's four. Four? Really? It's the Batman. Dark Knight. It's the Batman trilogy. Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Mm -hmm. Dark Knight Rises, and The Prestige. Oh, of course. Yes. I would have got it right if it was just a Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that's pretty oh, good. You, I spoke too soon. Obviously, I don't know everything about Christian Bale. <laughs> well, I don't know. You know three out of five about Christian Bale. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Do you know, he's only got one film coming up. I'm really surprised by that. I thought he'd have lots more films coming up after this, uh, The Pale Blue Eye. He has had quite a busy period in the last mm, few years. But I suppose so. if he's the lead actor, maybe it sort of takes it out of you, whereas maybe some of the other actors are more doing bit parts Yeah, that were in the pale blue, blue eye. Or maybe he just wants a break. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. Should we talk about the pale blue eye then? If we have to. No, only joking. Okay, so... Ooh, what does that let's mean? Move, what on. does that mean? Move on to the pale blue eye. Okay, so Go this on is on then. Netflix. <laughs> Two hours, eight minutes, directed by Scott Cooper and written by Scott Cooper, based on the book of the same name by Lewis Bayard, starring Christian Bale and Harry Melling and Simon McBurney. We also have Timothy Spall and Toby Jones and even Robert Duvall as well in this film. So it's a mystery thriller set in the 1830s at this prestigious United States Military Academy. And we have a cadet who's called Leroy Fry, played by Harry Melling, and he's found hanged in the military grounds with his heart removed. So the superintendent, Taya, his name is, played by Timothy Spall, and Captain Hitchcock, call-in, retired detective, and alcoholic, as we're led to believe, although we don't see him show much alcoholic behaviour. No. Um, Augustus Landor, Christian Bale, to investigate the coroner, Toby Jones, misses a vital clue. Um, and that is that there's a handwritten note, a small little piece of it found in Fry's clenched hand. And there's also marks on his neck indicating that he was murdered. So Landor enlists the help of another cadet, this kind of misfit poet named Edgar Allan Poe, 
that's the real Edgar Allan Poe. But in this story, they use him purely, you know, in a fictional story. But it is the real life writer who'd go on to be known for as a bit of a godfather of the murder mystery, as well as, you know, writer of these kind of macabre stories and poems. Anyway, he basically helps Landor try and find what this note means, deciphering the words and seeing if it, you know, that there's any text or books that might help. They then find a dead cow and a sheep that have also been killed and their hearts have also been ripped out. And they go to see one of Landor's friends, who is this professor of the occult, Jean Pep, played by Robert Duval. And with his help, they link the note to this witchcraft literature and they deduce that all of these murders are some form of black magic ritual. Um, two other cadets go missing, which raises suspicions over Poe himself and a local aristocratic family whose daughter he's fallen in love with. That's pretty much it. It's pretty dark, is grisly, is grim, and I kind of struggle to engage with it, in all honesty. So anyway, there's there's my two pence worth before I ask what you made of it. Well, it was the most jolliest film I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Rainbows. I have to say the uh the scenery was quite breathtaking some of it but it was all it, it was pretty much bleak and it is just over 2 hours as she as she mentioned and it is fairly slow paced at times and telling the backstory and raveling what happened to to these soldiers and just it's just eerie i found it very eerie and cold and there's a twist at the end as well. Um, it was all wet, cold, bleak um, set off um, Hudson River outside New York, I believe. Uh, West Point Academy is where it was all based. And it's uh, just just seemed on, on like a cold winter's day today. It, it makes you feel a bit low, I feel. And it was probably the wrong timing to release this film as well, because it's just all so bleak. The acting I felt was strong from Christian Bale and strong, definitely strong acting from uh, Harry Potter film to stage performer Harry Melling, who played Poe. And you can tell he had done some theatrical, he's had theatrical experience. He kind of acted in that way, I felt, throughout the thing. And, you know, Landor took on Poe as his sort of detective apprentice, but I did feel at times... Certainly in the start of the film, that the actor Bale was talking, Christian Bale was talking down to to Harry Melling, almost like he was competing with his acting, I felt. It just felt a bit odd. But then when I thought about it, it's like, no, he's talking to him as a junior because he's trying to train him. But it almost seemed like he was acting over over him at the same time. I just, I, I don't know whether you felt that at times. It's interesting you say that because I've never actually thought about it before. And mm. I can't really explain what i want to explain because it would give something away but there is obviously like all these films you mentioned it there's a there's a big twist at the end yeah so maybe what i say is uh, i'm saying this to you sarah if you think about what the twist is it actually makes it even more intriguing as to how he does potentially talk down or how he does you know what that relationship is like with poe and why he enlists Mm. his help you know what i mean do you get where i'm coming from i know it but you look at it in that level, he's acting it and he's talking down. But I also felt he was out acting him at the same time in some in, 
in some way. I don't, it felt really odd because I had to like, oh no, he's talking down to him because he's a he's a junior, he's an apprentice, he's learning. But then, but he's acting in a real way. They had different acting styles, I think. But you're saying That's, that you thought they you're saying you thought they were having an act off. Yeah, I felt so at the start. It was almost like having an act off. Christian Bale was stamping his ground. Well, do you know I'm what? I'm the top. I'm the main actor, and then Harry Melling, who's up and coming. You know, he played uh, what was it, Dudley Dudley in Harry Potter. I'm not a Harry Potter fan, so I found out. Oh, that, he, uh, yeah, it's amazing his transformation from what he was like when he was a kid. To it this. really is. He was much bigger as a kid, and he's he's very slim now. But you can, you know, it's still him, and he's he's got a, a very strong theatrical side to him. But and have seen him a few times in some other films, and he has got that lovey kind of presence. I think that definitely came across. It almost reminded me of a bit kooky, a bit like Noel Fielding. But yeah. I must admit, the first thing that struck me about him was the presence he had. I was really sorry, I'm already interjecting. But for me, one of the few positives of this film, and it, but it is quite a big positive. I thought he was... He was fantastic, wasn't he? He was fantastic. He was, he was yeah. so kind of intriguing. Because uh, yeah. I never, as I say, I haven't seen Perry Potter, so I didn't have that context either i just thought wow this guy looks like he could be something and so maybe you're right maybe there was a bit of that Um, and if there is if there if he's it wouldn't surprise me he could actually be nominated for a supporting actor i don't know i haven't seen the list yet for the oscar nominations but yeah we'll have to have a look out for him i think see if he's on that list because i think he is he was pretty strong in this his performance was but yeah i felt there was a bit of an act off (laughs) an act off is that such a word Anyway, Gillian Anderson pops up as she's mother of the Marquis uh, family. I forgot about she can't, her. She was there for like two minutes and in the middle of the film. You're thinking oh, that she's not going to just be in this film for two minutes. She has to have something, has to be involved somewhere with all these murders or suicides can I, can I just, or whatever uh, they are. Can I just ask you, though, because the, the first thing I saw, thought, actually, I was, sorry, I forgot to mention Gillian Anderson. I thought the same thing. Saw Gillian Anderson. I thought she's, she's clearly not playing a very major character in this mm. and she's not on she's not really in it that much and it made me think I'm, i was curious to know you know you've got robert duvall's in it as well timothy spall to- toby jones and it made me think did this either just look fantastic as a script yeah or i was what, thinking exactly it, the same or was it the fact that the story from which it's adapted is i don't know was just a real interest to them because mm. I was like, it's quite a strong cast given. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's quite a kind of, it's quite a niche, it's quite a niche kind of murder mystery, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I think it could, it could be even the director Scott Cooper, uh, director who's who's done, you know, Hostiles, Black Mass, Crazy Heart, working with Depp and and Jeff Bridges before. So it could be him. He's critically acclaimed, maybe. I, I have no idea. But yeah, I was thinking exactly the same. I mean, a lot of British actors in this as well. And um, I mean, Deval, he's he's about 91 now. And I was thinking, wow, he's in this film. That's amazing. So, uh, so yeah. So I found the cinematography and the scenes, some of them were quite beautiful, actually. Gu- gushing Hudson River streams and woodlands as well. It was a bit too bleak for me. Uh, it sort of plodded at the start, but then I got more into it, sort of the latter half. And that's where you do see Anderson, Gillian Anderson's character a bit more. And also Toby Jones's character, especially. But yeah, um, I looked them up and, and as I said, Bale's got only one film coming up. So has M- uh, Melling's. But uh, Toby Jones and Timothy Spall have five films coming up. But as I said, they could be bit parts or smaller parts to be honest but guess what toby jones is in the next indiana film as well so we're going to be seeing him in that and and you said no don't don't do another one but he's going to be in that um 
But yeah, I mean, overall, as for this film, I can't think of any way that they could actually uplift it. I think it was just one of those stories that was a beautiful but bleak and mysterious and eerie kind of film. It's a bit like, I think, like Sleepy Hollow. Remember watching Sleepy yeah. Hollow with, with, uh, with Johnny Depp? It's a little bit like that, I felt. But less entertaining. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I agree. I agree with everything you said. I mean, Mm. I mean, there's a lot of kind of ponderous prose in this as well. You know, there's lots of scenes where they're pouring over literature. You're right. It's dark. It's dingy. I mean, eerie is a really, what you say is eerie. It's so true. As I say, it might appeal more to people who love the literature, maybe. I don't know, because there's obviously that's a strong theme there, especially with Poe being in it. But I just, I just really didn't care much about any of the characters, either you know what I mean I no I, you're I right I didn't either there wasn't any I didn't you know there's normally some way you can get behind one of the characters mm. but not for me the best thing about it I think was Harry Melling you're right it did look nice but it would have been nice if the sun came up and the mist parted just for a little bit because you're <laughs> right it was so dark and claustrophobic yeah. and, and bleak and you're right the weather right now probably doesn't help either yeah but no it, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I struggled. So I'm going to give this, because I did get more engaged with it and it did have a little twist at the end. Um, it was sad at the end as well. I don't think there was even, I felt there wasn't any happiness at all. So don't watch it if, you, if you're depressed or you don't like cold nights and, and you, you suffer from uh, sad in the winter months. It's not a film for you, but I'm going to give it six and a half out of, out of ten. Well, yeah. I mean, I was thinking what I'm going to give this. I, I'm going to go lower. I'm going to say six out of ten. But I mean, that might be your lowest. Well, no, that is very that is very low for me. It is acted well, so it's yeah. not really about the acting or the cast or the technical side of it. I just there was, yeah. just wasn't enough in there to give any light. Mm. Or yeah, six out of ten. So on to misery. <laughs> What I like exactly from I'm this. I'm so from sorry. For the, 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 the thing is, right? The irony is, misery is more entertaining and, <laughs> and, and there's more light. There's even more comedy. There's even, Rob, you know what I mean? The misery, I'm your number one fan. Exactly. Rob, Rob, I'm your number one fan. <laughs> right. So I'll tell you a bit more about that. That is, uh, that's eerie in itself when you watch the film. So, Misery, uh, released in 1990, based on the Stephen King book, uh, directed by uh, Rob Reiner. Very different film to When when Harry Met Sally, uh, which was directed and released a year before this. And it's got actors uh, James Kahn, Kathy Bates and Lauren Bacall. The great Lauren Bacall was uh, in this film as well. So, James Kahn plays Paul Sheldon, a writer of a series of Misery books. Misery is a female character in his books, which Annie Wilkes, played by uh, Kathy Bates, absolutely adores. Adores these books, loves Paul Sheldon, and she saves Paul after he's just finished writing his latest book from a car accident. She pulls him out and then takes him back to her home and looks after him. Now, he tends to write his latest books in the Colorado retreat, Spring Falls, and he was, you know, just had his Dom Perignon, had his cigarette, had a few puffs of that, checked out, 
And then he was driving very, very fast, I have to say, on snowy roads with no barriers on the sides of the road. And you see police later driving a lot slower on those roads. <laughs> anyway, uh, what I found interesting with these, the, the connection of these two films is from Shining to this film is that they have that long car drive to wherever they're going at, right at the start of the film and sort of beautiful scenery, but, you know, completely different directors. So um, obviously with Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, you get to see all these beautiful sceneries and you do the same with this film that Rob Reiner, I think I think he was giving a nod to Kubrick's start of the last Stephen King movie almost. And maybe Stephen King recommended he did that as well. I don't know. Anyway, driving far too fast on along these snowy roads and then he, he has a tumble, rolls down this hill and, and, and then Annie Wilkes saves the day. However... She is his number one fan. She keeps telling him that she's his number one fan, which kind of freaks him out a little bit. She at times is very, very nice, very sweet. And then at times when she starts reading some parts of his latest book or gets a bit angry because of uh, what happens to certain characters in, in his latest books and also in his previous book as well. So she make, wants to make him, you know, write a new book at her lodge and keep him there as a prisoner almost. He's, he's basically kidnapped the writer. And really it's looking at his survival in Annie Wilkes's house and beyond. But I'll leave that as that. Rob, what do you think? Well, after The Pale Blue Eye, it was an absolute joy to watch this film. <laughs> I did know what? I did actually watch them back to back on, in one night, these two films. Oh, really? So, so it really was. It really was one after the Ooh. other. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's just, I suppose it's just a kind of deliciously twisted, sick tale of some psychopathic nurse who, for some reason, evades the attention of the local police, albeit run by this rather elderly couple, more akin this guy is to like a an old sheriff, if you like, mm. in this local town. And whilst Annie keeps Paul kind of almost locked away in her house, she goes into the town to get provisions every now and again. And it's only very, very slowly does the sheriff start to suspect, first of all, that he's gone missing, and secondly, to try and figure out where he might have gone. And it was Lauren Bacall, his agent, that made the call because uh, he'd been missing his daughter, hadn't seen him, and she he normally turns up for, for his meetings and, and he wasn't there. So that's why Lauren Bacall's in this film. She's, she's his agent. Yeah, and... But, I mean, in retrospect, I kind of was thinking, well, there can't be loads of houses in that area. And they even does a, a helicopter fly by the house. And you would have thought, well, maybe they do some door-to-doors. And, and you even see it from the point of view of Paul as this helicopter flies over at one stage. And he's just, like, hoping that maybe they've found the house. But the way in which he, the sheriff actually does eventually start to figure things out, I kind of thought surely that might have come a bit mm. earlier. But anyway, that's by the by, to be quite honest. It's the whole relationship between the two main characters and the, the tense nature of the scenes where Annie's temperament goes from, like you say, really nice, really sweet, to just off the scale. Like she'll just suddenly flip and she'll throw things 
or she'll walk in and she's holding a knife or an axe, not necessarily to do anything with it, but it's just, it, it ramps up and ramps up and ramps up. And I mean, I've seen the film before and, and we've said it, I mean, there's a very well-known scene in this <laughs> uh, where she resorts to, yeah, some pretty horrific tactics, let's just say, to ensure that he struggles to use his legs after she discovers that he has attempted to to move around the house whilst she was gone. Oh, there are so many scenes this that scenes in this for me where you just the tension's horrible. The way she flips is super, super freaky. And that's very much, you know, thinking of the shining. There there are those that I, I kind of felt you could tell that it was a Stephen King novel at yeah. certain points when the characters mm. went a little bit strange, a little bit creepy, or suddenly it veered into that thriller horror type, not not, not real horror, but it, it veered into that psychological area that really made you jump up. Mm. Two writers as well in Shining and a writer in, uh, in this film as well. Oh, okay. I mean, they... I mean, if people haven't seen Misery, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't talk about it. But there's one scene no. in this and I couldn't even... I was watching... I don't know what you were like. I, I was watching Through My Hands. I, I, I looked I, away. Yeah, I had to, and I had to look away. It, it was... It's really... But I think, yeah. I think it's only that scene, really, where you do look away. True. I think everything yeah, else is. is fine. But, I mean, I don't know why she did that anyway, because he wasn't really using his legs when he was getting around the house anyway. So uh, I don't know. It didn't quite see the point of, of doing that. Um, but maybe she just, you know, just, just try and nip it in the bud. Maybe just to emphasise how evil she actually is. I mean, if it wasn't for her, though, he, he learnt from her. At the same time, his writing was better from her. And also, um, he she actually saved his life. He was going to die in the car. Okay, yes, you're right. So you can look at the light side and you can look yeah. at the, the, the dark side as well. Yeah, and I like that about it. I do like the fact that, yeah, throughout the whole thing, he potentially gains a new appreciation for these series of books that he wanted to just move on from he almost embraces that and accepts that's what's made him rich and rather than putting it all to bed and trying to write something new that people might not take to specifically Annie didn't take to I I do quite like that actually about the way you could see it that way although she goes about it in a pretty sadistic (laughs) manner let's let's face it yeah I I was surprised actually how the way in which James Kahn portrays the character of Paul he's remarkably calm about the whole thing I mean, whenever there's an element of physical violence towards him, then inevitably, yes, you see him wince, and which is totally natural. But those scenes where <laughs> you know when you're watching that he's thinking, oh, my God, she's mm. a psycho. He's mm. incredibly calm and measured in those situations. I think it's probably maybe because he quickly learns strategically how to deal with her that's the best way to do it but i thought that was quite impressive because a lot of people would just crumble and panic whereas he keeps it together and just tries to focus on the time she's not there to figure out how he might get out of the situation yeah no i agree i mean uh, kathy bates she she got won an oscar for this best um leading actress in this film but i have to say i don't think she's really done a huge amount of great films after this she's done plenty of films but not any really big ones the best ones probably are um titanic about schmidt she was in as well but uh, nothing that really really stands out that would get her back into that sort of oscar category i think so it's a shame because she is a good actress but at the same time i I think she would flits from one person to the other if she was up for oscars today i'm not sure whether she would get it actually to be honest 
I don't know. I, I think it would take the, almost the, the perfect role to come her way to compete for that now. I was looking yeah. at who she beat out to win that Oscar, which yeah. I thought was quite interesting. You've got Joanne Woodward from Mr. and Mrs. Bridge, Meryl Street, Postcards from the Edge, Angelica Houston, The Grifters, and Julia Roberts for Pretty Woman. Oh, gosh. Was up okay. the best actor yeah. that year. I really enjoyed this film. It was just very watchable. I wouldn't put it up there at all with maybe some of Stephen King's other films certainly not the shining i mean although that's you know quite a revered film mm. we've reviewed before but yeah. i i i did enjoy it i thought it was very well played there was enough entertaining or dramatic or you know vaguely comical elements to some of these characters or well, more more to more pull but you know what i mean it wasn't super intense start to finish you saw things through the eyes of the sheriff you saw things through the eyes of Paul prior to the mm. event. So you get to know that he's quite a funny character, really. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it, it wasn't all super, super heavy and, and intense. No, there were some funny moments as well. Yeah, yeah I, think, I Sheriff, think that, I Sheriff think that. and his wife and some of the jokes yeah. that they played with each other. Typical married couple, really, teasing each other. And that's what we were saying, um, going, going back to the pale blue eye, I think that's the difference. You know, like I yeah. said, if I can't find light or empathy or mm. with any character. So for this, it's Paul. Like, obviously, it's Paul Sheldon. Obviously, you're rooting for him. He's a, ni- he's a nice guy. He's an honest guy. He's in a terrible situation. And then there's also the sheriff. And like you yeah. say, and him, he's trying to do right. And, and, and you know, and then the wife. So that there has to always be some characters, I feel, that you kind of get behind. Yeah, um, no, and- I agree. I agree. Certainly had that. Yeah. What are you going to give it? I'm going to give it seven and a half out of ten for me. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to give it eight, actually. I enjoyed it, definitely, and it was great to see it. It it looks, when you first watch it, it looks quite old in style, but then actually it gets more sort of everyday life later on, I felt. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I don't don't get to watch many Lauren Bacall films either, to be honest. And James Kahn is a great as well. And Kathy Bates has become a great since the back of this film. And Rob Reiner, I do like Rob Reiner's films, as you know. I mean, when Harry Mitsalli was fantastic and he's done, you know, The Few Good Men and quite a few others as well. So, yeah, I think I'm a bit of a Rob Reiner fan. So eight out of ten for me. Good stuff. Right. So moving on then to... Upcoming films. So let's start mm-hmm. with the newbie. We yep. have decided to go with Spielberg's The Fablemans, which is his kind of autobiographical tale of him growing up and how he got into films, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It seemed a bit of a no-brainer, didn't it? Because it's yeah, it's it's getting a lot of attention. No doubt, it's going to feature probably quite heavily at the Oscars, and it seems universally seems to be received quite well. So that's going to be the newbie. So what have we got here? Growing up in post World War II era Arizona, young Sammy Fableman aspires to become a filmmaker as he reaches adolescence, but soon discovers a shattering family secret and explores how the power of films can help him see the truth. So obviously, a very very personal mm. story for Spielberg, um, and yeah. no doubt it'd be beautifully made. Yeah. It's- got michelle williams in it paul dano in this film as well so some good actors in this and also seth rogan also in this film yeah so that's a newbie i'm picking from your list i think this time you are exactly so what genre are we going for so we had we're starting from the beginning last week's obviously was thriller horror yeah so what are you going for a comedy i think we need a bit of comedy (laughs) i think that's a good shout okay i've got 21 on my comedy list I'm going to go for number seven, please, Rob. Number seven is the movie Pride. Pride? I don't think I've seen Pride. Have I seen Pride? 
Bribe was a 2014 film, which was about a group of UK gay activists who basically help miners during the strikes in the kind of summer of 84. And it won a BAFTA. It was pretty well received at the time. Stars, a top Brick cast, Bill Nye, Melda Staunton, Dominic West, Paddy Constantine, amongst others. Got George Mackay in there, Andrew Scott. Internationally, it wasn't a huge mainstream hit. It was just a fantastic Brit pick, really. So, yeah. So this is, yeah, so this is streaming at the moment on Netflix, Disney Plus, and you can rent and buy off all the other on-demand platforms. And I can guarantee after The Pale Blue Eye, and misery this is a kind of a really good feel good film and just for those actually that want to watch misery it's not freely available on most online platforms but you can if you if you do a trial of mgm and you can get to that through through amazon prime you can just do it for seven days and then you can drop out of the subscription if you want to or if you really like what the the content they have on mgm just stick with it um there are some good really good films on there as well so yeah misery is on mgm at the moment and that's exactly what i did Although it was by mistake. I mistakenly subscribed to MGM. So, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I did as well, but you'd kick him back out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Good stuff. So there we go. Another one in the can, episode 71. Um, 71. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Anything interesting planned for this week, aside from watching movies? No. <laughs> this, this, kind of, this weather's putting pay to quite a lot of things. There's... My son hasn't played any football in the last two weeks. Football, yeah, football off. and rugby has been cancelled pretty yeah, much. Yeah, frozen yeah. pitches. Now, I, I, do you know what? This is not coming up in the immediate two weeks, but uh, I'm going skiing. Oh, uh, are you? I know. Ooh, whereabouts? Colorado. It's Colorado. A, I know. Wow. It's a, it's a work trip to a conference, but we're going to sneak in some skiing before. Is it in Spring Falls? It's... <laughs> Spring Falls Retreat. Yeah, and I must just remember be careful to drive if a... carefully. Yeah, drive carefully and just be careful if there's a farm with a big pig called uh, Misery oh, yes. in the back garden. But anyway, that's not... For... I think I, I think that's in a couple of weeks' time. So it'll be the week after we record our next podcast, which is quite exciting. The last time I went skiing was pre-kids. It was a long time ago, folks. Wow. So you're going to do a lot of snow ploughing, no doubt. We're going to ski for three days. I think it will probably take me to about the end of the third day before I actually remember how to ski. I imagine it'll be that. I don't blame you. I'll be the same, exactly the same. That sounds exciting. That's really cool. And uh, we'll try and find a time to watch together the next film. The Fablemans, absolutely. The Fablemans, yeah. So that's that's, that's cool. Good stuff. Right, well, thank you very much, everyone. And uh, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.